Welcome back to Classic Comics, everyone. I suppose you can tell we've had a bit of an unintended hiatus. Uh, I'm glad to get this show out to you, and I want to start off by quickly uh, apologizing to Mike Burton, my guest for the show, because this is recorded so long ago that the stuff he gets to talk about at the end, uh, what's going on uh, with him, is no longer current. Uh, so go make sure and check out his stuff that he talks about. Uh, at the end uh, when you have time so uh, without further ado we will get to Classic Comics episode 36 episode 36. Today we're going to be looking at a special Golden Age comic, Daredevil Battles Hitler. This is the de facto number one of Daredevil comics, and to do it, I welcome a new guest to the show, the genuine chit-chat Jedi himself, Mr. Mike Burton. You, of course, know him from his own genuine chit-chat podcast and Star Wars comics and canon as found on the Comics in Motion Network, and he's been a guest on nearly every Comics in Motion show. Welcome to the show, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's it's nice to uh, be able to read some comics and things that aren't just Star Warsy things. Because I'm trying to read more and I'm trying to kind of get out of that zone. But there's a lot. There's there's so many Star Wars comics coming out and books and all kinds of other content I'm consuming. So this was really refreshing. Like I was I was quite excited to read this. It's it's very it's uh, it's something that's intrigued me quite a lot. So yeah, I'm excited to go. Well, I'm glad. I'm really glad to have here. Uh, you know, I enjoy being on your show. Uh, when you have me on, I'm, I'm so happy to return the favor. And, you know, I know I've told you this before, but I don't know if everybody listening, you know, when I when I was I wasn't sure how to do a solo show when Tony approached me about doing a show. So I listened to a few episodes of your comics and canon show to give me some insight of how to do a solo show. So you're a big part of why I was able to uh, figure out how to do this. And uh uh, if you don't know, Mike was one of the spearheads for the Comics in Motion book club show, and oddly, I had had a similar idea at the same time, but I was talking to Tony about it on the side, uh, so I'm really glad you're able to do an episode with me that's kind of like a book club, even if it's just for two people, so uh, it's it's nice to have someone to talk to about the comics besides just you know rattling on because I, uh, I'm pretty good at rattling on, which is <laughs> what the last episode of this show was, me just rattling on, so <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to doing this too. This is an interesting episode, uh, interesting uh, comic. It's uh, I don't know if we can say it's indicative of the golden age, but I think there's more things like this that were out there than I than you than you realize. Just if you're only familiar with some of the standard, you know, Marvel and DC stuff that you'll see reprinted by those companies today. Um, mm -hmm. So here we go. This is. Uh, this is the first issue of Daredevil's eponymously titled series. Uh, 
it would become Daredevil Comics with number two. But uh, it, this first issue was just done almost like a one-shot. Daredevil battles Hitler, and so the next issue was going to be Daredevil number two. Uh, and even though this series this series was a, a anthology comic, uh, Daredevil wasn't the only character that appeared in it. Uh, he is clearly the star of this first issue, uh, and. I did cover Daredevil an episode of Classic Comics, uh, episode number three, way back in December of 2020. But uh, any listeners who may not be familiar with the character, Mike, what what would you like to tell everybody about the character uh, as you're getting ready for this episode? I know you mentioned to me you you're listening to the episode. Um, what was what do you think getting started? Yeah, so listening to your episode really did help because I, I didn't realize like this was number one of the daredevil uh things because it doesn't really explain what his powers are and the weird thing is is that i'm pretty certain we've both got the same version but the one i've got is like 68 pages so it's like there's a lot of stories within it and i find that like you don't i think it's like halfway through it's got like the double page spread of the um the silver street comic lineup and then it kind of explains what he does then, but that's like halfway through the comic. So I was like, oh, we just don't get his power. I'm glad I listened to that classic comics episode so I kind of have an idea of his vaguely origin story and what he even does. Because especially in these comics, he's quite cool, but he's like, he just kind of shows up. It's just kind of fairly good and helpful at most things. But every person is better at the thing that he is. Because he's like, oh, I'm with the, this specialist and I'm with this specialist. And he's just like, but I'm, I'm here helping along. It's like, <laughs> oh, he's... It's just it's interesting especially his his color scheme and things which is something i know you spoke about because daredevil i would have assumed like the classic uh matt murdoch sort of style it would have some sort of resemblance to a devil <laughs> but it doesn't and he's he's not even like an evil knievel daredevil he's just like a guy with a spiky belt and two different yeah. guys. he's he's cool and interesting but i i if you ask me what his powers are i could tell you kind of what he does but not anything else <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's really more just of an acrobat, and he has the boomerang that he uses, and there's two different, you know, versions of his origin. Uh, in the first, you know, in the first issue, Silver Streak number six, he's got an origin where he's uh, he's uh, uh, captured by. Isn't he? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and bad guys, and he's he's traumatized as a child, and it causes him to be mute, and he won't speak. Uh, but that lasted for one issue, yeah. and the very next <laughs> issue. He's talking, and he's like a more more of your standard sort of uh, guy. Uh, and then we finally found out his his new origin. You know, later on down the line, what is it like issue seventeen or something? The Silver Streak, and uh, they finally give us a, a new origin for him, and it eliminates the whole uh, branding and trauma. And he's instead uh, his parents are in Australia, uh, New Zealand. Is it? New Zealand, I think it is, uh, and the Aboriginal pygmies yeah. there raise him, and uh, after his parents die and all that, so it's a totally different. And he challenges uh, the, the the warrior, doesn't he, or the chieftain? Yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember you speaking about that, and it's like that's quite wild, but also the daredevil element still. I'm like, it's a cool name, I guess, but yeah, what's that from? If we know, I I think that just the idea of a daredevil at the time, you had you know anyone who would do these kinds of feats that were. Mm -hmm you know, shocky and surprising. Uh, uh, and it really didn't have anything to do with, you know, the 
any sort of devil imagery which Marvel uses for for their character. And it was more of like he's uh, like I think on the first page of his first story it says uh, Daredevil, master of courage. Mm -hmm. So he's like somebody that's overcoming you know fear and such uh, to perform these feats of of daring do if you will uh and that sense of of daredevil as it would have been used i guess for acrobats and you know even like an evil knievel type uh that you would think of but they're more i guess based on his own specific physical prowess and uh there's some crazy stuff that happens in in some of those early issues i uh I reread some of them not too long ago, and like one, he's on top of a building, like the whole building collapses, but he doesn't get hurt. He's like holding the the girl in the story, and the whole building collapses. Like you can imagine, like a, a four or five story uh, building in downtown Manhattan, and it collapses, and he's on the top, and he's just kind of like riding the riding the scree down and he jumps off at the end and it's like that's not possible but that's like an idea of i guess is you know daring the daring stuff he would be capable of doing and his his sort of courage helps him overcome the uh may i ask as well you, you um in that classic comics episode you said i think he has about is it 140 he goes for like 10 plus or so years doesn't he so it's like 140 issues that he's either featured in or that he is in and then i think the wise guys kind of overtake him in things yeah and what does yeah. he do his his earliest issues like this one some of his best or do you think that he kind of gets worse as he goes the, the runs kind of get worse as they go along in your kind of personal preference I think what's interesting is that the, the tone of the series changes much as the uh, the the public appetite for superheroes wanes mm. near the end of the 40s and into the 50s. Um, you know, at this time when he's created and he first appears in, you know, this, this story is 1941 in July, cover date of July 1941, which is, you know, still six months, almost six months before Pearl Harbor, so it's really – like coming out probably uh, May, and of that year, and it's uh, it's it's indicative of the superhero type stories you would get to an extent, but as as the the superhero fad wanes after the war and at the end of the forties, the the stories start to focus more on the the wise guys who are his you know his the the, the kids the neighborhood kids that sort of flock to him and he sort of mentors them uh and he starts to appear less and less in the book itself even though it's called daredevil comics and it, it never changes its name even though at the end it's daredevil comics featuring the little wise guys and he's not in it for the last i think it goes to issue like 156 or something so i think it's like 1954 556 that the last issue appears so the last year or so he's not in it at all and even up until then he's not featured in every issue it's mm. the little wise guys and the stories uh, at times become more uh, human interest uh and slice of life like uh, i remember one that i did talk about in the episode it was uh i think it's like a like a guy who's who was a criminal and he's reformed, but then he gets accused of something again, and the little wise guys are trying to help him, and and Daredevil is is part of that, and he 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 like stands up for the guy to to help him prove his innocence, and so it's it's a lot more 
I guess, less, you know, super guys, super villains and superheroes and, and good guys and that and crime and more of a, a grayer issue, which I think is uh, uh, interesting when you consider that uh, the, the person who handles Daredevil uh, in this issue that we're going to talk about, as well as throughout the, the rest of the 40s and 50s, that uh, Charles Biro um, had a lot of interesting ideas about comics and what they could be used for, and he, he wasn't just a you know, villain of the month, you know, here's a crime story, that kind of thing. He was interested, I think, in, in people and uh, and how he could write a story for in a comic book format that would be interesting to more than just kids. Uh, and he'll eventually do something with that called Tops, which is actually going to be a magazine in a comic book format, but with stories designed for adults. Uh, and it's, it's something I've got. And it's something I intend to do an episode on at some point, but I have not done it yet. Haven't even read it, but I've opened up a look at a couple of pages and my draw, my jaw just went bam right down. I was just like, I can't wait to get to this, but I am not there yet. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think it's interesting people and the, the idea of the comic book as a, as, a, as a format of storytelling. I think he saw it like uh, other people did, that it was had a lot more uh, uses than simply kitty entertainment. And I think he works some of that in towards the end of the Daredevil run with uh, being able to write these little wise guy stories that were examples of good little moral tales for kids. But at the same time, he would have these other grayer issues like the one we just talked about with the reformed crook who is trying to do the right thing and is getting framed for something or or falsely accused of something. And uh, that's not – I mean there's some stories like that, but it's there's something about – the, uh, the the subtlety and the nuance of his storytelling that makes it different from a uh, a, a more I guess cliched version of that kind of story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not often that I guess you see that the, the hero jumps right in to to help him, and uh, it's it's all led by the little wise guys. Of course, it's the whole. Mm-hmm. The, the the series has shifted at that point. So I think while there may be more superhero fun and adventure in the earlier uh, comics, I think by the time you get towards the end of the series, you can almost see how the industry itself is changing and how some of these other ideas for more adult things are uh, are, are, are coming into comics. Uh, everybody just talks about EC comics and the, the struggles they had with uh, – uh, Frederick Wortham and Seduction of the Innocent and, and that sort of thing, but uh, Lev Gleason, who published Daredevil, also had the first, I think, crime comic in the late 40s. I think it's called Crime Does Not Pay. That might not be the exact title, but it's something like that. And uh, those were another, it was a real crime kind of uh, comic, and it was much more, you know, much grittier and, I guess, visceral than, you know, your directed at kids comics and yeah. uh yeah anytime you get to this point the late 50, 40s early 50s and you bring up the code and wortham and all that you really and you start to dig in you realize that comics kind of got um you know halted in their development by wortham and uh and that whole senate subcommitting on comics and stuff they 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 stopped the development of the art form and put it back to where the beginning and it 
it, it took until the 80s to catch up when they could get out of the code uh, restrictions. Uh, you know, finally, by the early 80s, people are publishing comics with no code. They said, heck with it. It's not a newsstands going direct to comic book stores. They're intended for adults. You know, you can figure that out. And it, you know, nobody's going to sell, you know, the half naked girl issue of Alien Worlds, you know, to some, you know, six year old kid. Everybody knows it's for adults, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I think, I, I think I, I said this with, with Tony on the, one of the episodes we did together that I think if there hadn't been that whole uh, seduction of the innocent Frederick Wortham thing, that comics would have developed further faster mm -hmm. and maybe would have gotten more public acceptance. I mean, cause now comics are, you know, when I was a kid, I couldn't people were like, you read comics, you know, you're 16 years old, <laughs> you know, but today it's nothing to see adults, of all shapes and sizes, ages, you know, reading comics. It's mm -hmm. not a big deal. They're sitting down at the bar like I am reading. Oh, he's reading the comic too. Oh, it helps that there's a comic book store two doors down, but he's reading the comic too, you know? So it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's a really long answer for your question, but you hit <laughs> me like right, you hit me right in what I've been thinking about. Uh, I saw something yesterday on a different uh, show that, talking about the code and such you hit me right in what i've been thinking about so yeah Good. it's it's uh so that's i guess that's a long answer to your question but yeah i that's, still got uh, the answer it's it's amazing yeah yeah i think that's what happened and i think i think the art form is something that it, it's it still has the potential to continue and grow uh i just really wish we could have gotten more from some of those amazing creators in the late 40s and and 50s like what if somebody like Charles Vera, who was doing some of this early stuff, had the opportunity to keep working through the 50s and, you know, not be constricted by the code. Or he went on to what, do television or something and not be constricted by television of the 50s and 60s, you know, mm -hmm. those kind of things. It would have been, I don't know, there's no telling, you know, what, when we would have gotten something like Watchmen as opposed to 1985, we would have gotten it in 1965 or something. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder how it would have changed the culture in that sort of respect as well, like how uh, certain media pushes culture. So it's, it's an interesting concept. It's one of those things I've thought about, which is like if I could have like a crystal ball and just see what alternate realities are like, that would be quite an interesting yeah. thing. Like how would it be uh, now in 2023 yeah. if the comic uh, code authority never kind of came in and started censoring everything? It's like what if that never – the dark ages of comics never happened? It would be very intriguing. Like, Yeah, how... it's – Mental. yeah. Exactly. No, I mean, I just, my mind boggles when you, when you, when I think about it, when I think about that exact question, my mind boggles. I just can't imagine what would you have gotten in 1961 instead of Fantastic Four number one? What, what would have been coming out? You know, maybe superheroes never would have made a return. Hmm. Maybe it would have all gone, you would have gone through that whole, you know, deconstruction and looking at heroes in a different way and superheroes maybe would have just faded and you'd have gotten and the, the sci-fi and the horror and the crime and the romance and all those other genres that now we have a, we hardly have anything of certainly not from the major the major two publishers marvel and dc um except for star wars being science fiction that's about it really and there's no other real science fiction uh, you know, comic IP that that does anything on a regular basis. I don't think, at least that I can think of. But uh, yeah, I just think 
it would have maybe proliferated and you'd have had more of that so much sooner that superheroes wouldn't have needed to come back in the mid 50s uh and that was one of the reasons uh uh, what show was it? I don't remember. I read it. I read it or saw it. it was something. That was one of the things was that they brought superheroes back because all the other genres were so uh, were so vilified. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have romance because of the uh, you know the sexual element. You couldn't have horror because of the gross element. You couldn't have crime because of the juvenile delinquency element. You could you know you, all you had left were funny animals and you know you can have science fiction. You know you couldn't have all these different things that were really good stuff and instead you get uh the superheroes come back because well let's try that again and it ends up working and they're able to do you know light science fiction kind of stuff without sort of more harder science stuff uh and eventually the horror comes back much you know in the early 70s when the code is is uh lightened but yeah i don't know superheroes might never come back or you might have had superman batman wonder Woman still around but very different than we're used to you know without the without the code having ever come around they might have gone really hard for realism you know i don't know or they might have continued to grow up and uh they would have maybe not had the whole you know kitty you know mentality that they were for kids they would have been a mentality that these are for adults that's what happens in japan i mean manga in japan for years has always been seen as a legitimate, you know, uh, art form and expression that wasn't solely for kids. Mm-hmm. There's just something that in the United States, and I'm presuming uh, it's similar in England. I, I I don't know enough about it to speak to it, but I know here, you know, for years, it was always about comics are for kids. Mm-hmm. And it's a stigma. And then you say, no, no, they're not. And then you show people stuff and they go, oh, you know, they get offended. I said, I told you it's not for kids. It's for you. You're 21. You're supposed to read this. Not, you know, the seven-year-old in the second grade. He's not supposed to be reading Watchmen. That's for you. (laughs) You know, don't take your kids to see that movie. It's not for kids. It's for adults. (laughs) I I agree. It's same with video games and things as well. So they have a rating for a reason. But with with this comic was what I found funny about it. I say funny is I I was talking to Megan about it. And I was saying that, you know, for most of it, it's to a degree the kind of thing one would expect from a comic from this era. Um, There are other elements that did surprise me and were interesting and others that not as much, but I'll go into them um, shortly. But towards the end, there's like the last sort of skipping ahead a bit, the last sort of 10 pages or so, which is just about like Hitler, the man of hate. And there's just like loads of information about his life. I was like, I found that really interesting, but I was like, this is really very heavy, intense stuff for a point in time where it was 42. So it was like, he didn't even know. 41. 41. 41. Sorry. Wow. So he didn't even know it was going to. before Pearl Harbor. Before Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Didn't even know they were going to win the war. And they even say that at the end. It's like, we hope it. And it really hit me. I was like, oh, yeah. Like this was, this was made before America got involved, before we knew we were going to win. And it was like, yeah, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> it's mad. It's like, yeah. well, we hope the I... Tommy boys in England, you know, the John Bulls do well. And I'm like, Jesus, this is intense. <laughs> this is like, you know, they don't talk about, you know, the the, the war crimes necessarily, whether they speak about the Night of the Long Knives and things with Hitler, and they yeah. do speak about some of the horrible stuff he did, but they don't go deep into what we kind of know modern day. So, but it's still, a lot of it's very dark stuff. And I was like, this is insane. 
what what I find really fascinating about that is that looking back from our our historical perspective, we know how terrible he was. Mm. We know the kinds of atrocities or he he perpetrated against uh, the people of Europe. Uh, but what we also know is we just have the sense that it's something that happened, and it's just he's a villain, and he's been a villain forever, and that's the way we feel. But when this came out, he'd only been on the uh, the the scene for what eight years? So he came to power in thirty three, so he'd only been chancellor for eight years when this came out. So for a lot of people, I mean, depending on how much you followed international politics, you'd heard of him, you hadn't heard of him, you knew something. You knew a little bit. You heard stuff, but it's like everything they say, you can infer that they knew something was going on. They knew something. They didn't just – he wasn't just like, oh, he's a bad guy. They were like, no, he's really bad. He's really bad. He's like you know, Satan kind of bad. He's So you need to take this seriously? Next level bad. Yeah. That's the kind yeah. of end of the book, end of the comic. It's like this is like a really serious thing. This is how he rose to power. This is how someone like that, if you're questioning how a madman could do it, like how, how could someone who's crazy do it? This is how he did it. And you're like, this is while he's still in power. How did <laughs> how? How you're you're right, but like I've read this, I actually learned something. And I did I have a GCSE qualification in history. And we studied part <laughs> of World War Two and things. There was bits in this that I knew about, like the Night of the Long Knives, but yeah like there were certain elements and i was like i didn't know that in granted in the history of world war ii we don't go in depth in hitler's life specifically we know certain parts about him but in this i was like this is obviously the rest of the comic is kind of fighting hitler in different ways but i was like this the, the warfare accuracy in a lot of ways in this it was just like it, it almost didn't feel like well, i suppose this is the kind of the crux of it it didn't feel like a daredevil uh or gold age comic in the normal sense it kind of felt like a war comic and they just happened to be superheroes just kind of about like daredevil was cool but there were certain scenarios and i was like he doesn't did he really actually do anything because this yeah, other person's yeah. done basically way more than he has he got, yeah. yeah he shot one or two planes but this other guy shot like 12 it's like good for you daredevil but yeah. you're just kind of in these places that war's happening <laughs> and you know a lot of comics during the war years uh utilize the war as their the, the the platform for the storytelling it makes sense. uh it it, it does it, and uh, it goes to something you know i mean there's no problem talking about the end at the beginning that's fine because it's really kind of the most interesting thing is it really is a a political statement by the uh the writer artist publisher about what america should be doing what hitler is like uh why he's a problem uh why we should support our British allies, and by the end of the issue, it's it's like it start it starts out fun and oh it's Daredevil, it's fun yeah yeah, and then all of a sudden at the end it's like okay here's the real deal this guy's really bad he's really evil we need to stop him we cannot let this go on any further, and we have to support our our allies in Europe because this guy's bad and yeah. it, by the end there's no there's no bones about it about what they're saying it, it there's no like you know oh well, he, he just misunderstood villain you know and it doesn't doesn't pull any punch it doesn't it doesn't try to make it uh humorous at all or like uh, uh when dave and i did the human torch uh uh last month we there was an issue where they instead of calling him hitler they call him hiccup hmm. and so they're referencing what he looks like and a sound alike kind of name without actually coming out and saying it 
But these guys are just saying it. They're just going, nah, this guy's bad. We got to get rid of him. And this is our, our, our duty. And it's just, it's, it's so politically charged. And people say comics aren't, haven't always been political. It's something new, but it's, it's not. The difference is it's historical to us when we read it now. But you put yourself as a, let's say you're a parent in 1941 and you buy your kid this comic and he reads it and you're going, Hitler. Why is Hitler on the cover? Let's say you know a little bit, and you pick that thing up and you read it. What is your response to that? That's got to be like, whoa, this, this, you know, maybe you're happy. Okay, well, good. Maybe my nine-year-old son will understand a little bit about what's going on without too much. But if you were a uh, isolationist, um, you might be upset at it. You might see it as subversive, even. So. It's it's incredibly fascinating to think about it in those terms. It's it's just, it's not a simple, you know, good guys versus bad guys comic, despite the fact that it's sort of laid out in that kind of format, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's 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 odd, isn't it? Because even the first story, when it starts off, it's straight into the the uh, hail Hitler, and it says about you know going in there and him uh, beating someone up, getting the uniform and things. But then it's got like two pages of like essentially war meetings. And it's like, this, yeah. is, this is literally like them talking about plans during the war. And it's got like the narration part at the top explaining what's happening on, listing the literal names of his war generals and the people who are close to him at the time. And it's like, you know, you go through it and you're like, this is, when I uh, read this, I was like, oh, I thought they were going to have like Daredevil wins the war for them. But it, that's not that at all. It's just like, he's just kind of there at a few battles and helps out in a few small occasions and hopefully it's kind of that thing of like look if just he gets involved and some of these other heroes all of america got involved think of the good we could do but it's yeah it's really interesting because like there's even in that first um in the first story because the first two stories are, are longer uh, and then they there's you know intermittent ones and smaller ones yeah that, they've got winston churchill and it's like oh yeah the winston churchill and the uh, prime minister so the prime minister and this other person just know daredevil like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. we know you are and you're like how if this is like first appearances was he in silver street comics before this or was this his first ever yeah daredevil was in silver street first did so he... this is not his first appearance yeah and so did he meet anyone in the uk in any of that has he met winston churchill before to your to your knowledge if you can remember because i don't remember that happening but i do know that in one of the first episode issues maybe it's the second appearance he and uh, the girl he's seeing are having a picnic lunch in the park, and they're thinking about what's going on in Europe mm-hmm. and the war and how how bad it is and how people are dying for this and uh, how we're just sitting here having a nice you know afternoon without a care in the world. And he's and you can tell the the impetus from the uh, the writer is yeah we should be doing something about it. It's mm-hmm. just not right just to sit around and do nothing so they have their main character essentially say that it, it doesn't end up being uh going beyond that with that idea but he certainly they certainly bring in the whole notion of uh world war ii and and what we should be doing about it uh right at the beginning of the strip and i think a lot of comics ended up being like that you know a lot of these comics were made by uh jewish immigrants mm-hmm. uh and other European immigrants that had family back back home still that were hearing things, and so they knew and what was going on, and and it was 
Yeah, they could not write about it, despite them being just for kids or throwaway entertainment, you know, disposable entertainment for kids that won't last or whatever. There's a lot of ideas in some of these early comics that show that the, the, the people writing them were writing for themselves, not simply writing to a kiddie audience. They were writing for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's one of those things. So I've got I, I wrote down some of the main uh, stories just to have an idea. So it's, it starts off with uh, Daredevil and the Silver Streak, which is like a pages one to sixteen. So that's like the yeah. main big story, and then the rest of them are usually six pages, um, six or seven. So you've got Daredevil on the Claw, and they've got the the Lance Hayne one, Dickie Dean, Cloud Curtis, Pirate Prince, and then you've got the Hitler one at the end, uh, Man of Hate. And in between some of those, you've got, uh, you know, the one-off pages things, um, yeah. like hash and some things. Gags. Like yeah, yeah, some kind of interesting things. So is it was it common at this time to have, because th- that was, when I started reading it, I was like, oh, Daredevil versus, you know, uh, Hitler. And I was like, oh, like 68 pages. Because, you know, Digital Comic Museum, you can check it out there. It's really, really cool. And so it's like 68 pages of this. That's quite a lot. Like by today's standard, like even 48 pages is considered like a big issue. You've got like standard comics, like 19 pages. Then it's like, you know, 25 for a bigger issue, 32 for like, oh, here's a, a main one. 40 yeah. plus is more than that. But then if it gets bigger than that, sometimes it's like an entire arc when you get into like yeah. hundreds of pages. So was it common at this sort of time period to have a comic that was this many pages? The standard size was 64 pages, then the other four pages for the cover. Wow. Uh, you know, the, the way they counted it was, you know, one and two, and then the first story page would technically be number three. So mm-hmm. it'd be 64 pages, and the page count would drop over time down to 52, being 48 interior pages and 52 for the make up the cover. And then that's how, and it's all in multiples of eight, mm-hmm. because that's the way they were uh, uh, printed or had to be formatted for printing. But, uh, but not all comics had one big story. And as this is broken down into chapters, they essentially address a central theme of Daredevil battling Hitler, but it doesn't have that sort of like straight line through that. I think it starts out pretty strong with the Daredevil and Silver Streak story. And then uh, what Lance, Lance Hale, I think is the second one. And then, the Dickie Dean when when he goes when that when the kid goes over to to England too it has a pretty strong uh, uh, cohesiveness and then it then it feels like it sort of breaks down a little bit by the end and you just kind of like oh it's just here's Daredevil and Cloud Curtis fighting Herman Goering here's Daredevil <laughs> and you know the Pirate Prince fighting you know the 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 Nazi admiral ever but it doesn't it doesn't have the sort of I feel like the idea kind of they couldn't finish the idea. Probably because they knew they couldn't have him, you know, beating Hitler up in uh, Birch's Garden, you know, and toss him over the side, even though that's what they probably wanted to do. Mm-hmm. They couldn't just do that, you know. So it kind of ends up just him helping out and assisting where where they can, where he can, and uh, and maybe like you said, like it's a you know, a metaphor for, you know, why America should be helping see all the good we could be doing if it wasn't just the Brits over there right now fighting against him. If we joined in too, and here's America being represented by Daredevil, you know, and he's helping and then we can do, we can help. And here's an example of it. So, so yeah, I think it's, uh, I don't know, that, that, that's, that's my take on it uh, mm-hmm. and, and how, how the, 
how it goes through. But yeah, the uh, the comics were were big like that. Uh, there were there were some comics that had big long stories. Um, there are some issues of Human Torch fighting the Submariner, which are literally one big entire issue. Wow. Uh, fight. Um, there are the first. I've only read the first four. Uh, Young Allies, which is like Captain America's sidekick Bucky and Human Torch's sidekick Tora, with a couple of non-powered kids, um, and they there's there's the whole issue too. And they actually have a really epic kind of feel and scope to them. When you when I read those, I was like, this. I mean, they're they're starting out in New York. They're going to Europe. They're in Germany. Now they're sneaking through uh, occupied France to get back to England. And it's and it's all in one comic. That's and I can imagine as a kid then reading that and feeling like you just seen like a blockbuster film, mm-hmm. having that same sort of sense of wow and oh my god, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas most comic stories were. Somewhere between, you know, six and 16, 15 pages, maybe 20. Uh, and there was multiple stories per issue, and they were normally completely unrelated. Uh, at least that's more, more of the standard for uh, most of the DC stuff, that uh, Golden Age stuff that I've read. Marvel was a little more uh, varied in their output or timely. They're called timely at the time. That's awkward. Timely at the time, <laughs> <laughs> but you know they 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 would have you know like an issue of Captain America might have, you know, two sixteen-page stories and an eight-page Captain America story and two six-page other characters that backed up the issue. Uh, Human Torch was like two twenty-page Human Torch stories and a twenty-page Submariner story or a fifteen-page Submariner story, something like that, um, early on, but. You know, as the page count dropped, the story pages dropped, uh, and sometimes they lost whole characters. You know, from the uh, uh, from the comic entirely, and then be the last you ever saw them. Oh, that guy's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe he'll come back one day, but maybe not. Yeah. And sometimes they bring but, him yeah, back exactly. completely different. Just like completely different, like they did with this Daredevil, obviously, because as you said, and I really recommend, I'm sure they would if they're listening to this episode, they've listened to some of your older ones, but if they're newer fans of your show, like go back and listen to that episode uh, where you sort of talk about Daredevil and things, because you explain like, you know, how he's got his own, who he is and like a lot of the elements of his storytelling and that sort of thing. And you do mention this, like obviously there are similarities between the modern day Daredevil with Matt Murdock, but obviously they're, they're not the same. They're definitely not the same, especially the weird thing where yeah. one was mute for just an issue and not and i found it really interesting when you spoke about the alex ross and bringing them like only in the last couple decades where they kind of brought them back for that big thing and it called them something slightly slightly different but i really liked that element of just like where these comic characters would kind of disappear in in some ways you can kind of always bring them back as long as no legal issue with it and that's quite a cool comics and that's that's why they brought them back because they'd hit the uh they were in public domain Mm -hmm. that's why you can read some of these comics on the uh uh digital comic museum because there's no nobody holds a trademark. There's no copyright infringement or anything, um, so you can put them out there for anybody to read, which really is like a public service. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've asked, "What's the first story of that?" Oh, I'm gonna go find it because I know where I can find it on that on that website. And uh, you read that, and it's it's so interesting to do. And then you have like uh, comic book creators that have an affinity for these old characters like Alex Ross and they go back and they 
they say, let's bring them into the present. Let's reimagine them as we need to, to tell like a new story. And at least with the Daredevil stuff, you know, they're calling him the death defying devil, mm -hmm. uh, which is a pretty neat play on words for the, 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 the D alliteration uh, to maintain that. And then to uh, utilize some of those story elements from the golden age that even might be obscure and then bring them all to the front to bring them back to uh you know a modern story and, and incorporate them it's really neat it's if it's something you're you know like I, that's stuff i like i like stories like that that keep keep with it as much as they can and make it feel like one big thing as opposed to this is somebody else entirely you know mm -hmm. like it's a name and maybe a some of the same colors in the costume, but he don't look anything or act anything like he did in, you know, 1943. So it doesn't feel like it's the same character. And some characters may not translate to the modern era. I, I get that. But the whole purpose of the Project Superpowers thing when he, Alex Ross brought that back was he used the idea of them being in limbo as part of the story. They mm -hmm. had disappeared from the world and were in that uh, Pandora's jar or whatever in that. And then they come back uh, and they're like, what happened? Where, where, why, what, what year is it? Because they've literally been gone, hidden in there uh, in limbo, which is where they are technically in comic book limbo, mm. you know, not being published. But that's a neat little meta, uh, meta way of doing the story so that you, you feel like it, it really is them, even if some of the elements are changed. You really, it, it connects you to those older versions, you know. Yeah, because I actually um, I looked up this comic because I was I was interested. Um, I, I read it in the uh, comic book museum, but I was like, I wonder if you can actually buy this. I, I was just interested, in that. and they're doing they do reprints every now and then. But there's a new reprint coming out in the UK uh, in December 2023, um, and it's about thirteen pounds, I think. Um, and it's this whole thing, and I was like, that's that's actually really good, like value for money, I think, for something like this. And I just think it's not really like anything else I've read. But when I was doing it, and when I was looking online, it said, oh, if you like this, you might like this. And it had the death-defying devil. And I was, oh. Like, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. And I looked at it, I was like, oh, of course, it's the, the thing that I remember you speaking about. I was like, oh, yeah, because like now it's kind of coming in. There's probably going to be more stories featuring them, which I thought was a really, really cool way to keep this character going in a way. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, it's nice when they can uh, connect new stuff with with stuff from the past marvel and dc like to have a reprint of things like a movie will come out and they'll have a, a facsimile edition of some comic from the the 40s or the 50s or whatever that that relates and then uh like what the shazam movie just came out and they had the first appearance of captain marvel from Wiz comics number two uh, a couple couple weeks ago as a facsimile edition so you got you could buy a, a copy of Wiz comics number two which is you know, a crazy thing to think you can buy as a uh, as a facsimile. That's just something that's not reprinted all that often. It's not like your first Batman and Superman. You don't see the first Captain Marvel as often. So that's a really neat thing. And all the other stuff in that comic is is pretty fun too. But yeah, I like when they tie it in the past to the present. It's it's good stuff. Yeah, it's cool. And what out of interest, what made you choose this uh, this comic? Because when you uh, sort of reached out and things and offered up a few yeah. comics and things. What, what, what was it about this one in particular that grabbed you? Well, when I first uh, decided to do the podcast, I had to think of topics I would want to cover. And I knew that 
I'd want to cover some of my favorite stuff. Like the second episode is Terry and the Pirates, which is a uh, newspaper strip. It's one of my favorite newspaper strips. It's one of the classic newspaper strips that is lauded uh, by everyone for its writing and its art and its innovation. And uh, I knew I had to do that. And one of the other things I put down right away was the character Daredevil because the Golden Age Daredevil is – he's just such a different he's, – he's different enough from the Marvel version. And I think to me, whenever you think of modern characters and you go, wait a minute, there's a Golden Age antecedent that is almost exactly like him or is nothing like him at all. Like there is a, a Golden Age Black Widow that is nothing like Natasha Romanoff. Hmm. but it's still the same company and so they use the name over again for something uh and ever since i first saw the golden age daredevil i guess when i was 11 and saw him in this uh comic book price guide uh in a in a double page painting with all just tons of golden age characters and i saw him the red and blue holding the boomerang in his hand, running forward with all these other characters. I was interested. I was like, Daredevil? I was Daredevil? That's not Daredevil. Daredevil's, you know, Fornhead, you know, Matt Murdock and all that. And so I would, you know, go through the price guide, find out what I could, read whatever you could in the price guide. And when, when I found the Digital Comics Museum, it was one of the first things I wanted to check out was, who's this original Daredevil? What was he actually like? And then by that time, I was older and had learned enough about you know, comics and how they developed over time that, uh, you know, and the importance of the character, uh, you know, this, this is a, a character whose comic was selling over a million copies at one point in the golden age. And that's just, those numbers just don't happen anymore. Comics do not sell like that, but there were lots of comics that sold, you know, Captain Marvel adventures sold over a million, like 1.3 million copies at one point. It's, it's like ridiculous per issue was coming out twice a month <laughs> so <laughs> so every so you think just on that alone that's like that one comic alone is probably more than marvel and dc do independently you know in a month you know captain marvel adventures probably sold more comics than dc's old its entire run entire you know line today in one month you know it's you know, it took all of those books to sell as much as one 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 copy of Captain Marvel Adventures. So I don't know. I just and and having gone back and read some of that Daredevil stuff and knowing I wanted to know more about him. Uh, and after I first read that Daredevil versus Hitler comic, I knew that well, if I'm going to do Daredevil, when I decide to do specific issues of comics, one of the ones I want to do is Daredevil battles Hitler because it exactly what we were talking about earlier. It starts out as this regular kind of comic book story with a hero and you know teaming up and you know they're fighting Hitler, which is a and, and Nazis, which is a standard comic book uh, element for the era. But then by the end, it's like, oh, it's actually going to be about Hitler himself too and how terrible he is and the whole you know political aspect of what we were discussing. To me, it just it just stands out as a uh, – it's a number one issue. It's a Golden Age number one issue for one thing, but it's such a different kind of comic to me. It's like nobody, I think, when they picked this up as a kid in 1941 was going to – thought they were going to get what they got. 
And I think even today, as we've talked about it, you know, I don't think anybody thought they were going to, that's what it's about. <laughs> it's so hardcore, you know, anti-Hitler, anti-war. I mean, by the end of the issue, it's not just anti-Hitler. It really is about just the horrors of war, you know, and there's even some subtlety and, and nuance to it. There's the one chapter. It's the first or second one. I don't remember. There's a, there's a, 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 a workman in a German factory making metals. Mm-hmm. And he thinks he's making medals for whatever mission that we've just seen Hitler send his 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 uh his people off on, and he thinks he's making these medals for them. And then when he hears how the me- the mission goes, he it's there's like this moment where he laments the whole, not just that the loss of life, not that the mission failed, but this the general loss of life due to war and it's you know, uh, and the horrible nature of war in general. And it just takes it, he take it's taking, you know, a, it'd be very easy to, uh, to, to demonize every German citizen as an evil Nazi, but here's somebody who's, they're, 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 they're treating him as a, a real person that may not be, you know, all on board with the Nazi party. And he's just doing his job, trying to do what, he was hired to do as a metal worker, but he's got his own ideas about what's going on in his own country, which is really quite advanced, I would say, for comics of that time. Well, and also he's missing a leg. He has like a peg leg. Oh, that thing. yeah, he lost his leg in so, which in so World War One. Yeah, that. and he's actually. I just had a glance through. Um, he is the last panel of the the first story in this, the sixteen page story. He is the last panel. So it's really that thing of, it says, you know, but despite the censorship, news of Britain's victory reaches some of the Germans' workers via the underground. And like he's mad about it and stuff. And he's like hoping that, you know, if only our people had the courage and strength to crush Hitler from here. Like, that is a lot. <laughs> really cool. But like, there are these hard-hitting moments in between it. And it's it did really surprise me. Uh, like when I, when I agreed to sort of read this and I, I delved into it, and I was like, I want to read things that you recommend because I don't know almost anything about golden age. And I think especially a lot of people nowadays don't. So it's like when you go back and read some of them, some of the golden age stuff is a bit too much. Like I read some of the really early captain America stuff and I was like, I get why this was popular, but it's not quite for me, but this mm-hmm. sort of thing, I was like, this is the, isn't, it's like social commentary but it's not even commentaries it's literally just saying it like straight (laughs) to your face it's like this is literally what's happening and i think the artwork of like some of the war scenes i love the way that both explosions are drawn but also the the lines when bullets are shot like the subtleties of those Uh, things okay and at this time with the golden age as i know very little about it did a lot of golden age comics were they in black and white or was color quite a common thing at this time because i just think the color makes it so incredible but i didn't know if that's like a newer version color was was the thing uh for most comics there are uh some comics that were only in black and white Mm -hmm. uh there are some early dc comics that would be uh color you can tell because like that eight page folio thing i was talking about you can see how there's a couple stories at the beginning in the color a couple stories at the end in color and there's a couple of stories in the middle that are in black, white, and red. Mm. Uh, just black and white, but they would add the red too, which is a weird thing. But it gave a little bit of, I guess, uh, atmosphere to it without it being fully in color. Uh, but some comics were strictly black and white. Like, uh, uh, you know, early on, the first comic books, and we think of a comic book, they were reprinting um, 
newspaper strips yeah. and a lot of your daily newspapers, your daily newspaper strips were all in black and white. They were always in black and white. They were never intended to be in color and only the Sunday pages would be in color. So that's where some of the black and white stuff comes from. And so there, I guess there are some other uh, black and white comics, but the vast majority are, are in color. And once you get out of that early period, once you hit 1940, I think everything is uh, in, in color. Um, your standard comics are in color unless it's like something done on the cheap. And I can't think of anything off the top of my head without doing a little research, but no, it is certainly the outlier. I really like it. I, I, I love the way the, the, the colors are i think like a modern way the people would perceive it is almost like pop art but it's like pop art is kind of like an in in a sense kind of very integral to where comic book is it's art it's poppy it's like some of these panels they just the palette isn't obviously what it is today because today we have like digital so it's like the pan is literally infinite but yeah with what they have and the way they do shading that's one of the things i really appreciate when i see a lot of uh especially like the hand-drawn comics obviously they didn't have digital back then so it's like it is really it's 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 proper and with the with the text was the text hand-drawn handwritten as well yeah that's all like, somebody i'm pretty hand sure and lettering that because like some yeah. of i look at some of the letters and i'm like they are a smidge different and i'm like being able to write like that is insane to me and i'm like oh like one of my favorite panels is on uh, page 10 and um i'll lift it up to you but it's on um yeah but it's the first uh it's the first story still but it's when you see the warships and the finger moves over europe and it's just like these warships here just look so cool I, I just oh look. yeah 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 i know yes i've got it pulled up yeah that looks great and yeah that's something i do notice about a lot of the the older art is that when you get something like that because i think because they have a i don't know if it's because they have a reference or not but some of those pages just look awesome mm -hmm. whereas some of the sometimes the figures maybe aren't quite as yeah the faces uh, a lot it's of difficult time. to do yeah it's difficult sometimes to do figures especially in motion or mm -hmm. uh or, or to make it look real but they're yeah that that is a great pa panel though of the uh and it and think about that that's the the bottom three quarters of uh, or the bottom two thirds of the page mm -hmm. so so you know in the comic that's taking up a big and the the the, the book i have the the reprint that i have is a uh, a little smaller and formatted slightly differently than the Astro comic would have been. Mm -hmm. It would have been a little bit, a little bit bigger, uh, especially wider. So it would have been a little, it uh, would have been a little bit even bigger than that. Mm -hmm. When you I, when you think about that panel, and I love the paneling because, like with with certain comic books, uh, I think in the after the Comic Book Authority, the the Dark Age almost the comics when it kind of came back, I feel like I remember seeing quite a lot of comics, especially some of the more well, actually, even during the Comic Book Authority stuff, I guess, with some of the paneling, I found that there are parts where things were going a bit safe with paneling. Whereas here, I feel like they do a lot of it. There's like the, the, almost every time you, you look to another page, it's a slightly different layout to another one. And they just do kind oh, of yeah, yeah. what they... And it really adds, like, sometimes it's like, oh, there's loads of little panels. And then there's, oh, here's a really big page. But then here's a couple of circles in there. And there's one part where there's, like, arrows going from one to another when there's lots of different mm. things. It's like, I just really like the creativity with how, with, with nowadays where we've got all the digital stuff, everything is so much easier to do things like that. And this was, like, seemed like someone were basically just a ruler. And they were like, I'm just going to kind of make it almost look like that because I, I want to. And it just works in this way. And I'm just like... It's so impressive seeing all the hand-drawn 
elements of these. Yeah, I thinking about the paneling, I just happened to start flipping and I hit this page three of the story where in there in the in Africa. Oh, I just took to that. With the, <laughs> the elephant. With the one with the uh with the elephant at yeah, the yeah. bottom. That's a great, a <laughs> great it. design layout to have the uh you know, you have the circle panel, but then the elephant is is coming out of the circle and some of the characters are falling out of the circle onto the ground, which is, and there's like a negative space behind it. That's a really neat panel there. Mm-hmm. I, I, we were flipping through and I thought, oh, that's a great looking panel. The elephant looks great. And then the design and the way he's using the, uh, uh, the space on the page, as far as what's in the panel, what's out of the panel, mm-hmm. it really, it really changes the, uh, the dynamic quality of it. it. It makes it even more dynamic than just simply being a, uh, uh, you know, an exciting page it or an exciting image. It, the, the I was going to say that it the the circle helps the I increases the uh, how do I say it reinforces the notion that the elephant has been down and swung its head up in an arc mm-hmm. to to knock the people off, and it. it gives that that motion you're talking about. That's really really clever stuff with uh, with that panel definitely yeah i really i really like the way they do it and there's a lot of times they use circles very cleverly where they kind of put it in between like two corners of like main square Mm -hmm. panels and it's just when i was reading this i was like there's like a lot of text to read but there's also a lot of cool things to see and i was when i was reading it i was like wow i've just read quite a lot i I bet like i was like oh yeah i've just read loads and then i check i was like oh it's been six pages it's like what <laughs> i swear i would have read like 10 or like tw- like 12 or 15 and it's like no no you've just read six it's like because there's every single panel has like so much to it because these stories i i wonder if it's in part because of the the color palettes that they had it it kind of it means they have to fit a lot in but every single panel has to be quite different it's kind of easier in certain ways to have some smaller panels going of like this person's moving from here to here to here having lots of little panels about it instead of like one big one where you've got the same person running from different sort of angles. If you kind of know what I mean, it's just, yeah, the craft is, I really, really liked it. I was, I was surprised how much I did. Well, I think, uh, I think uh, you do have a couple of uh, good innovators on this issue. You've got, like we said, Charles Biro, who's uh, writing the book, but he's also drawing the daredevil story. I think he draws another story. But there's definitely also Jack Cole who draws uh, the Claw and the Dickie Dean stories. Mm-hmm. And he, Jack Cole, of course, will go on to quality comics shortly after this and create Plastic Man. So I don't know how familiar you are with Plastic Man. Yep. But, uh, but if you want to read some absolutely fantastic Golden Age comics, go to the Digital Comics Museum and find the Golden Age Plastic Man stuff police comics starting with number one and then his own series plastic man those those things are jack cole is one of those golden age creators that is uh upper echelon uh it's some of it is just laugh out loud funny uh but he's so good and he's so good with using plastic man's powers uh uh uh, and, and showing the stretching and all those kind of things. Plastic Man is one of those characters that to me should be a lot 
uh, more popular today than he is. DC just can't seem. DC owns him now, and DC just can't seem to get uh, the right niche for him. And I think part of the thing, this it's the same situation with uh, with Captain Marvel slash Shazam is that he should be like the the preeminent character in that universe. You know, like Plastic Man doesn't need the Justice League. He doesn't need to be in a shared universe. He is just fine by himself on his own doing his thing. Captain Marvel should be the preeminent character in that universe. And he just doesn't fit in to the DC universe as well as uh, as well as other characters because he is he has so much going on with him. He it, it's it's a distraction from the tone of his stories and uh, his mythos to have to try to figure a way to work that into the DC universe. I mean, they try and there are times it works and you've got the Egyptian thing that can cross over with Hawkman or the uh, the gods thing that can cross over with the Greek gods thing that can cross over with you know Wonder Woman, but when you try to figure out who he is, he's best as the preeminent character. And Plastic Man doesn't really need anything but him, but himself because that's his because he's that good on his own. And years ago, people knew people knew Plastic Man. They knew Captain Marvel. Um, people that grew up in the '40s, they knew these characters. They, these characters lasted into the '50s. They didn't disappear at the end of the '40s. And uh, you know, my parents, even people you know older than my or younger than my parents, you know, still knew them because they still had a a presence in uh, in popular culture. Um, and now people, you know, probably don't know Captain Marvel and Plastic Man like they should. And to me, Plastic Man is just, I mean, if you start reading that stuff, you'll just, you, you'll have a hard time not just reading all of it. It is, it is so good. It is so, so different. It doesn't, it, it's, it's, it's funny. It's got, it's smart. It, it does things you don't expect. I mean, it's like, what do you mean he's smoking pot in this episode? And it's, it's like, it's weird. It's like, you know, there's things that you, there, there's no constraints on them. And so Jack Cole is free to just go to town and he, he, he does what he does best. And it's, it's fantastic. So that's, that's one of those things I, uh, I, I lament is that certain characters and certain creators just aren't known like they should be. I mean, you can go to an comic shop and probably talk to somebody, you know, oh, I don't know who Jack Cole is, but you know, your average comic reader today may not have any idea who Jack Cole is, but he, but they should, because he's because mm-hmm. his his contributions to, you know, storytelling and, uh, you know, are, you know, are are that important. You know, he did he did stuff that people, you know, still do today that they, they don't people don't even know that. Oh yeah, Jack Cole did that. He did that first <laughs> in 1944 <laughs> or whatever. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And and when you go back and you read it, you go, man, this stuff is just, just incredible just yeah so plastic man <laughs> well, i've made Read that i've made it because i am cool. familiar with the character of uh, plastic man i know that um professor elemental the chap hop uh, artist he's Ooh, yeah 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 his favorite um superheroes that's so i mean steve spoke with him um about that and i knew about plastic man a little bit before from like top trumps and like bits and pieces of information um but i didn't know he was in the golden age so that's a really that's a really cool thing oh, it's yeah. another another part like when i didn't know anything really about the golden age um before i kind of before you kind of became part of the comics emotion family i started listening to you know a lot of the shows you were doing it's like oh there's daredevil and the human torch and submariner (laughs) you know and like i knew about certain characters like superman 
who were super old, but I didn't yeah. really have a concept of who came before or what around that other era. Because all you hear about is the big hitters of the comic book world, especially, yeah. you know, I, I got into nerdy culture and things, but, you know, everyone knows basically Batman, Superman, and uh, Spider-Man. Pretty much, and most yeah. people know Wolverine. But when you start getting into more characters, like even Daredevil, like now because of the Netflix shows and things, people yeah. know Daredevil more. But before Netflix knew that was out, a lot of people had no idea who Daredevil was. And they just, like even the Matt Murdock Daredevil, not just comic book readers, I'm talking about general audiences. And so it's interesting yeah. going back and how many of them have these origins in the Golden Age and also how many characters just were only in the Golden Age. Oh, it's amazing how many characters are in the Golden Age only or who who, who were had their heyday and then have struggled since, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, even, even like big hit, even, even like lots of main DC characters, like big DC characters, I think like the Spectre, Our Man, Dr. Fate, those are characters that were had their heyday in the golden age and they have had some moments since but they've never really stuck they mm-hmm. failed to stick the landing in the modern age when they were revived and they come back for a little bit they go away they come back for a little bit they go away they get a single appearance to maintain the copyright they go away you know and they just can't find a way to stick you know and there's a lot of characters like if if, if comics hadn't you know revitalized the super in the 50s some of those characters would never probably have been seen again you know it's, it's mad to think about um but with also with this uh one of the things i noticed actually about uh this golden age it, it, obviously the speech i think is some of the parts that's the most clear of its time i find especially i, I know captain america it's a uh, is quite different but that is like a point is when i was reading captain america a lot of the text i was like and like some of the really old iron man comics as well you read some of those and it's like oh this is this is kind of hard to read not quite it's like when i read shakespeare which i don't do very often or even jane austen it's just like with a matter <laughs> of speaking obviously those are hundreds of years in the past but it's like that's a more extreme example for those listening yeah. who just to kind of compare but like in this one i didn't really find it was as much obviously there's a lot of the text is just them saying what they're doing which obviously in comics yes. nowadays yes. they do mm-hmm. do that to a degree uh, but obviously a lot of time like I, spider-man comics they're always especially the even the ones from the 90s like I, I really like the maximum carnage like 14 issue big event but in that the majority of the first three or four pages is spider-man not only saying what he did previously but just saying now I'm swinging down, you know, this street <laughs> to try and find Carnage to because they're with Sheik and then this thing has just happened. And it's like, you're, you, this, you're not saying this. This would be a narrator saying it, but you're Spider-Man, so you kind of talk a lot. But in this kind of, <laughs> you know, in these, it's, it's kind of like that. It's like, oh, I'm going to go over there and punch that guy. And then you watch it happen. And it's like, <laughs> there's a bit, a smidge too much of that for my taste, just as a, a, some critiques of this uh, this Golden Age property, although it is brilliant and I really recommend people check it out. There was that. And then one other thing I noticed as I wrote down is there are so many ellipses, but th- there's just lots of dots. So it's like, instead of one period, there's lots of two periods. And then if quite a lot of threes, there's one page, which was on page seven, there are 13 ellipses on the one page. There's only eight speech bubbles that are really small that don't have ellipses in them. And so I was just like, what? Why? What? And I was like, oh, maybe they do it instead of commas. I was like, maybe it's instead of a comma because it, it would it gives more of a gap. But there are also right, right. 
So I was like, oh, what what is it? But yeah, page um seven. It was of the first uh when he meets up with Silver Streak. Yes. Yeah, well one of them is the bird talking. I just noticed the first thing I I I saw was uh uh the bird talking. Pip. Yeah. Ellipses, pip. <laughs> but the, I, I don't know. I wonder if it's supposed to be something like this. Like this is Daredevil's uh uh uh, uh first first word balloon and I wonder if it's supposed to be read or, or like when you're reading it they're trying to make you do it like Silver Streak the Speed King and Wiz. I thought you guys were back in the United oh, States fighting gangsters, you, you know, like a, a way to put in a dramatic pause mm. as opposed to Silver Street, the speaking and with, I thought you're, you know what I mean? Instead of just oh, running on with it, well, I think to maybe give a, day, uh, they do little, yeah. little speech bubbles, don't they? Modern day, they'll do three little speech bubbles to kind of be the end of a sentence. And that's how you're kind of getting, yeah. that's a very good point. Yeah. Cause I, I did have that question because I did, I kept seeing them everywhere. I was like, there's got to be a reason for it, but the way you've just read it, that makes a lot more sense kind of indicating the yeah, pauses because no one has multiple yeah, speech yeah. bubbles in this i don't think unless it's them speaking someone else speaking them speaking but that doesn't happen quite as frequently and the next uh the next panel uh is uh after daredevil and silver streak and the bird have have exchanged pleasantries churchill uh steps in and he has an ellipsis at the beginning so i imagine it's like uh he's like to show the pregnant pause like Oh, now that you guys are done talking, yeah. Uh, now, gentlemen, let's get down to business first. You know, because yeah. okay, y'all said hi. Let's get on with this. We got a war to win. You know, <laughs> so I think that's kind of what what's intended for there. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I do love I the think, page numbers as what... well. Sorry. Oh, I, I love I love the numbers, fact. I, I, I love the fact that they have them. <laughs> it makes it so easy for referencing. But sorry, what were you oh, yeah, say? yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> No, 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 that was just, just, I think it's just, I think that's how it, what it's supposed to be. It's the only way they could, you know, you got to realize this is 1941. This mm. is, they're still figuring out the, uh, the way to do things, mm. you know, they're, the, they're still figuring out the language of comics and the, mm. the visual language and how, how it works. You know, I'm, I'm going to be somebody that's always going to say a lot of the best stuff was done in the newspaper strips. You know, you can read newspaper strips from 1941 that uh, are 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 graphically and uh, uh, story wise just far and above, far and far and away more uh, more developed as as a as a as a craft than than some of the comics. Uh, but you know, something like this, there's a lot in here that we weren't expecting to see. I think when the first time you read it, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a whole, they're, they're developing the craft. They're figuring out how to do it, how to tell stories in this format. Still, this is, yeah. in 1941, you know, the conflict's only been around for five or six years and it's the new stuff really didn't start till what? 36, I think, or 37. Mm-hmm. So everything else that before that was just newspaper strip reprints. So it's, it's the beginning of a, you know, of an art form still developing, and you're going to see, you know, variations. Now, somebody like, you know, Jack Kirby, like you can look at, you said you read some of the early Captain America stuff, and I think you can see some of the, 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 the dynamic qualities in his art that set him above right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Early, his early stuff has that, a quality that you just don't see in 
a lot of other uh, artists. But then you jump to the newspaper strips and there's stuff in there that, you know, you're not going to see in comics until, I don't know, the 50s. (laughs) The the way the quality of the work is just like uh, 20 years advanced based from what's going on in the in the comic books you know Mm. and and that's something that struck me was that there's stuff that happened in the newspaper strips that would have passed the comic code there's no way that it would have passed the comic code some of the the storylines and the innuendo and suggestive suggestive stuff never would have passed the comic code you know no no way never (laughs) because it's drips and drabs they kind of they got through it well well, I think I think also it's because they they felt like this is the newspaper. We're telling, we're not you know, censoring the uh, the, the the brutal murder of somebody in the paper. So and so was shot three times on the corner in the Italian restaurant. You know, blah 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 blah. And the you know, there's horrible stuff there. They're not censoring the the reality of that there. So when you have something that's, uh, I guess. I guess the same level of maturity, you know, you're, you're not going to take that either. Cause you're, cause you're, you're doing the newspapers for, for adults. Mm-hmm. Now the kids, some of the kids might like to read the comics, but I tell you what, some of those newspaper strips, they're for adults. They're not for comic. They're not for, I mean, there's stuff that the kids can enjoy, but there's stuff in there. It's like when you watch uh, some of those, uh, you know, movies from intent, you know, Disney or not, not Disney, but those movies that are, quote unquote kiddie movies but there's stuff in there for adults too that oh the kids aren't going to get that you know like you're not again terry and the pirates you're not really going to understand that terry as a 14 year old kid when uh burma kisses him and she you know she's like in her mid-20s and she's kissing a 14 year old kid the the sexual uh innuendo undertones there are, are for the adult and the kids just probably like, come on, let's get on with the fighting the, ba- the bad guys. And the parents are like, oh, my God, she just kissed him. He's got – what the heck? You know, those kind of things. And it's it's really subtle. It's really uh, nuanced. So those kind of things are that stuff you're going to really see, I think. I think once they start to show up in the comics a lot later on, into the after the war, late 40s, early 50s, that's when the comic code uh, comes in and they uh, – they clamp down because they, they can't get it out of their head that comics are, are not necessarily just for kids. And that's, it's the audience that they're, uh, they're ignoring. They're ignoring the intended audience of the comics. And if they had looked at it differently and, you know, you got to go, well, look what's going on over there. And, you know, the heart of Juliet Jones, she's 18 years old and she's putting the moves on her 30 year old sister's boyfriend. Who's her teacher. What's going on with that? You can't, <laughs> you know, is that something you would want if you had it in a comic? Wouldn't they have flipped out about that? But it's in the newspaper strip, so I guess it's okay. Mm. So there's point. really, I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's like if they had just, and I think it's one reason why I like the strip so much is they just were, they were doing so many interesting things and the craft had, had moved along already. And uh, by the time comics are, comic books are, are coming around the newspaper ships were already developed to a certain extent uh that that they just started moving faster and uh nobody ever questioned the intent or the intended audience of the newspaper strips they were for a general audience but you knew you know the kids probably aren't reading the uh the romance strips or that stuff you know i i don't know it's just that it's, it's a theory it's a great question yeah 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 
Yeah, it's it's it is very interesting, and it's like as well with this comic. One uh, thing I wanted to note, um, wanted to note as well is it's on um, page nine again of the, this first story, um, and I think yeah, the first story is is the strongest. Um, but the, the the last bit with the uh, the man of hate, the all stuff focusing on Hitler, that's most intense stuff. But this first story is really cool. But page nine, there's a bit of art, and it's probably my favorite panel in the whole comic. And it's um, it's this it's the third one, and it's on the wall. There's a a Nazi swastika, and then there's two bits of paper on the wall, and one of them says, "Don't fail to mention Hitler's name at least one in each sentence." And I just burst out <laughs> laughing when I read that. And then the other one said, "The bigger the lie, the more people will believe it." And it's like both of those things. I was like, they're just kind of you you do read them because they're not like hidden but they're not like right. the main point they're just kind of there and i was like that is really clever and very like the hitler name in each sentence i was like that's quite funny but also scarily close to what it actually was so it's really i love that as well i was just like unexpected golden age oh he's fighting hitler you know pow bam and then you read that you're like this is this is like kind of stuff you'd seen almost be vendetta kind of comics it, you know decades and decades and decades later there's little hints of that i love it yeah the uh the, the, that kind of thing it just it's just what we've been saying there's just so much more to this mm -hmm. um and, and and the sad thing is the thing about the bigger the lie more people will believe it sounds exactly what we're dealing with in our current uh state of affairs right now mm -hmm. with uh politics and that kind of thing and not even just politics but uh i don't know we've got that over here we've just had that uh that alex murdoch murder trial in south carolina where he's accused of he was convicted of murdering his wife and son and then all this other stuff comes out and you can just see it's just tons and tons and tons of lies stacked upon uh, uh one upon the other and if you believe the first one, you can believe the second one. The lie just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you believe it all. Or even you know the way the way you can just say things on uh, social media, and no matter how extravagant or ridiculous it sounds, you can get people to believe it, mm -hmm. and they see it and they think it's real. It just it, it just to me it connects our eras, uh, you know. To that it connects us to that era uh and shows not everything has changed it's mm -hmm. people are still the same in in the ways that uh they will try to trick you fool you uh manipulate you uh the exact intent may be different but the the, the tools seem to be uh recognizable that we see them and to, to put that in the comic like that it, it just it's it's just taking a huge shot at 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 anybody who is against a uh getting involved in the war you know yeah. it's like it's it, it, it says you may not be believing the truth you might be believing a lie mm -hmm. because the lies are so big that you can't even tell it's so big but you can't tell and exactly. that's not for a kid to read that's not for a kid to read no that might be for a kid to read to make him think but it's really for the parent to read and go or an adult to read and go 
what you know mm. it, it, it links it, in because the panel and the next panel is about the media and it's about printing you know and then there's oh the yeah yeah about look we'll we'll do this we'll we'll make it sound like this and say it's an in, indisputable military source that always goes down well and then they make loads of prints to try and <laughs> trick across and it's like that is deep media propaganda that's something that you learn about how serious and problematic that is in school and it's like when, especially when you learn about history and it's like again this is allegedly a comic for kids but you've got in one hand hitler you know committing war crimes and things and then also you know you got your superhero -y kind of stuff but then you've got like media propaganda and like deep cuts with serious morality layered questions and it's like this isn't what i expected especially from the cover <laughs> we've got daredevil throwing a boomerang at a giant hitler you're like this yeah. is not <laughs> it's not what i signed up for but i'm really happy you know it's almost like in a very much more diluted way uh alan moore's miracle man in some way where you kind of if you oh, don't know much yeah. about it you go into it and then by the end you're like whoa with this that's not what i expected <laughs> no exactly they're not the same kind of comic but just that kind of thing where what you think you're getting from almost the cover and the kind of scratching the surface a little bit but you actually go deep into a lot of the detail and you you get to the end of the story and it's like it, it packed it packs a punch surprisingly it does. it does i uh i i just think i think there's so many hidden gems in the golden age that you can find and uh you know that, that you asked me why i wanted to do this and i i knew that after reading it the first time that i would want to do this because it's such a a unique issue for the title but then all these little subtleties and nuances and uh and, and things like uh like for me some of the details that stand out are are, are the fact that you mentioned it earlier we have the uh specific historical uh you know underlings of hitler mentioned hermann goering you know at the start of each story as well yeah you get a bio real, thing of them yeah real people a little, little bio and it just connects the the fantasy world of the comic to the real world and uh the uh the bit with lord haw -Haw in the uh in that story when they're in, in in britain you know and that was a real guy that was you know there really were you know, uh, Brits that were Nazi sympathizers. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's that, uh, I'm sure you've, I don't know, maybe haven't you read the, the, read the, seen the book, seen the book, or read the movie? <laughs> 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 uh, I'm getting all confused. Remains of the Day? No, I haven't. Um, that, okay, that's a great movie. That's a great movie. Uh, Christopher Reeve is in it. Mm -hmm. Anthony Hopkins is in it. Oh, wow. Um, it's uh, Emma Thompson's in it. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I love her. She's a, great. I mean, they're all it's great a, actors, but yeah. They, they, and, and this, this, it's a great, it really is. But it's about um, uh, one of those, uh, uh, you know, English lords at the time. I think he's played by one of the Fox, the older Foxes, mm. Edward or James Fox. I think it's one of them. But he's a, uh, he's, he's hosting a meeting of a French diplomat. Christopher Reeve is the American diplomat. And it's all about, it's just before World War II, and it's all, and, and that's the, uh, the I guess the, the 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 setting for the story between Emma Thompson and Anthony Hopkins, but uh, the personal story. But he's, you know, the the the, the English Lord is trying to, you know, uh, you know, convince the the Americans and the and the French that Hitler's not a problem he's okay you know it's not gonna the uh, appeasement you know that mm -hmm. chamberlain uh was, was for uh, early on 
uh, and then uh, you know you've got the the French guy, the French diplomat, and then Christopher Reeve's like, no, this this is wrong. We cannot do this. You know, this is bad. You know, and he's talking to the French diplomat, and it's it, it just makes something like that that's historical fiction. It, it connects the those real life elements that you know about to such a to this comp in this comic it connects it to the real world in such a way that it, it just makes the whole thing feel um you know real and I, i'm there's another some other word i'm thinking of not just real but um you know or, it, important mm-hmm. meaningful it adds that meat that layer of 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 meaning to it that that you know, if you didn't have the real people, real situations, real battles mentioned, you know, uh, you know, it's it's you know the when they're in Africa, it's not the traditional Rommel and the Africa Corps you're used to seeing. It's a different part of Africa, but it's those real elements that they have that it really can. I think it's one of the reasons why this first story is so strong because it has all those kind of those all those elements in it um, that just get you going and you're like oh wow and you know like we said it kind of fizzles towards the end until you get the slap in the face with the hitler's the hitler profile but yeah yeah, it's it's one of those things i liked yeah i completely agree it's it's a a really interesting thing to read i I think as you say as towards the end of the comic before the the main hitler story it is uh it's, it's not bad like the artwork still looks really really great but it's just kind of nothing that different specifically happens and it's just some of the people he teams up with i'm just a bit like but there's the one which is like the guy who's the really good pilot and it's like yeah uh, was he cloud curtis and you're like but but it seems like daredevil's also flying really well too so (laughs) your powers you're a pilot but you're flying this really weird plane which i don't think aerodynamically actually makes (laughs) sense but putting that to one side because it's a comic and fun stuff it's just like yeah, when I when I got to that and the pirate prince part, I was like, okay, I'm I'm starting to wane a little bit. I'm like, yeah, you know, oh, there's still another you know 15 pages left, so there's mm. probably another two stories that are just going to be similar mm. to this. And then yeah, you turn the page, and then you've got the man of hate and the big Hitler face, and then it's like, where did this come from? And then you turn that you read two bits of comics, and then there's literally like an essay. It's it's like a full <laughs> two page, basically a short story <laughs> explaining the entire biography that they know about hitler and then it goes past that and says like how he's got to where he is now and what's going to happen in the future and you're like whoa and then you turn the page and then it's like <laughs> hey and also don't you there's this comic scope thing and also don't forget about daredevil comics and stuff like that and you're like <laughs> wait oh, it was it was such a ride this this uh, it, in so many ways i didn't expect it to be and although i say that and i really really recommend people go check this out there was one thing that i want to ask you about which i found a bit odd which was the claw? Like, yeah. What? What is it? Or he? And also, I don't understand how he's so gigantic, but he can. He somehow has a plane. Like, surely that plane must be unfathomably gigantic, like beyond even like a zeppelin size. Like, surely, yeah. Like, how does that even happen? And then it's just his. The whole thing with the claw. The story. It was like, okay, this is happening and this is happening, and then it just ends with Hitler going. Oh please don't kill me! I'll give you five million dollars. And it's like, yeah, wait, what? So there are. I want to say to people, although I really recommend reading this, and there's some incredible stuff. There are just a few bits in there, and I'm like, what? It, you kind of had things going, and then it was like, oh no, he's going to kill Hitler, but they can't kill Hitler. So Hitler's yeah, just yeah, loads of money. Well, well the, the one of the things you have uh, with this comic is um, 
all the people that Daredevil teams up with are the other characters from Silver Street comics. Mm-hmm. So Silver Street was an anthology, and Daredevil didn't appear until number six. But these other characters are the characters in Silver Street. Mm-hmm. So um, they don't all fit really nicely necessarily into the same world. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a great example of how comics were at the time. Right, so they don't all fit into the same world. Um, so you've got you know the costume superhero, you've got this kid inventor, so a, a kiddie type character. Then you've got an aviator in Clown Curtis, and you've got a period uh, piece with the Viking, uh, not the Viking, that's, that's pirate. entirely the uh, yeah pirate. Thank you, the Viking pirate, the 18th <laughs> century pirate, and then you've got the Tarzan uh, ripoff and mm-hmm. Lance Hale. Um, you've got all these different kinds of uh, genres in one book, which is fairly common for the, uh, for the golden age, but they don't all fit together. So when they decide to team them all up, it comes, it, it becomes a mixed bag. So, so like the daredevil story with uh, silver streak works, they're both two costume superheroes the the, the Dickie Dean story, I think works pretty well. The, uh, uh, the kid inventor, the Cloud Curtis story is okay, but you, Cloud Curtis is like the hero of that story, and he's the pilot, so he should be the one to. And he does face off, you know, Herman Goring in a dogfight, but Daredevil do, is there to assist. I mean, how mm. do you assist in a dogfight besides, oh, I shot him for you while he wasn't looking, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you assist in a dogfight, right? You know, um, just ask Wedge and Luke, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. And then the 18th century pirate thing, it's just like, this is so weird. I mean, if you just read it and try to enjoy it, it's okay. But if you think about it, it's like, this this doesn't make any sense. The Claw, which is your original question. The Claw was the first lead character in Silver Street, believe it or not. Okay. He was – he's always been a villain, and he was uh, part of that uh, – he's that tropey, you know, uh, Asian uh, villain from the – 20s and 30s and opium dens and and that kind of thing and he's always been giant i i don't know why he's giant he just is um at one point he's called the green claw it's one of those characters that doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you try to look at all the stories in a row you know uh, he does fight daredevil like in three issues in a row in silver streak like seven eight and nine or or eight nine and ten something like that. He's the main villain, and he's fighting against Daredevil in those books. Um, so he's set up as the villain, and so they had to try to find a way to make him help Daredevil in air quotes, but at the same time not make him a hero. Because mm-hmm. when as soon as this issue is over, he's going right back to being a villain in his next story. I mean, and he's still a villain in this story. He's just, you know, manipulated uh, by Daredevil into thinking that Hitler has turned on him, and they think, and Claw. Then Hitler thinks the Claw has turned on Hitler, and because the Claw is so um, physically imposing, you know, Hitler has no other choice but to try to buy him off, and they just go with the whole, you know, he's a Asian gangster type that. Is super giant and is in it for the money. So of course they'll take the money. You know, it wouldn't, you know, necessarily behoove him to kill Hitler. But like you said, they can't kill Hitler because he's not really dead, and it sort of defeats the purpose of showing the, of the how how important it is for America 
to you know assist and and all that. So it you know, that's something that's something comics could never do is have uh, the superheroes you know actually get involved and be super effective mm-hmm. in these stories. You know, um, there's the great cover of Captain America comics number one of him hitting Hitler. That's you know a famous cover. Um, retroactively in the Marvel universe, the golden age human torch is the one that burns Hitler in his bunker. He actually kills him. Wow. And that's, that's something they did retroactively. Um, so in, in that story, he's trying, Hitler's trying to commit suicide and, uh, uh, he just Ava Braun shoots herself first or whatever. And then Hitler, uh, chickens out at the last moment and he gets shot by, uh, uh, a guard or something as the human torch breaks in and burns him up. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> now that's of course a story that's not told until the eighties or nineties. Oh yeah. But that was the that was the that's the canon in the Marvel universe of how Hitler died. <laughs> wow. That's in- that's insane. That's mental with this, but yeah, it's it was interesting. I I know this was obviously Daredevil versus uh, Hitler, but I I didn't. I thought it was going to be like one or two, maybe one or two stories about it, or one big sort of arc. But it's kind of yeah, chapters and things, and then the the big endingy part. But yeah, I really enjoyed it, and the fact that it's all sort of handwritten and all the artwork looks really cool. And as I said, I really like things like the bullet streams and the way things are panelled and the colours really pop. Like I'm, I really, really enjoyed uh, reading this comic. I thought it was a it was a really great pick. I'm glad I did this with you. Well, Mike, I am uh, really glad you joined me, and I gotta say, this has been a, a fantastic, uh, a fantastic episode. I don't know that I needed to write a script at all. I think <laughs> you. Uh... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I uh, it's, it's, it's a neat, it's a neat story. It's, uh, it's different. It's probably not what you're expecting if you don't know much about the Golden Age or the, or the character. Um, uh, I, uh, I, I just love diving in and and seeing what what these old stories are like um i'm really glad you enjoyed it so much uh you uh you know you you jumped on it right away when i put it out there and i don't like you said you weren't really sure what you were getting into and so uh that's uh maybe you're the master of courage you're the daredevil (laughs) diving right into to to take on the unknown but um I, th- I feel really good about what we've said and how we've covered this issue um, today. Any, uh, any final thoughts or uh, um, anything would, like that? Or did you I get would, everything? Uh... I probably just don't let the cover put you off. Like the covers, you know, grabs your eye, but don't let that you know, sort of taint what people, what you may think about this. And I'd say, although there are elements of this that are quite wordy, it does feel nicely educational in a, in, a, in a lot of ways as well i feel like it makes you kind of want to learn more and want to kind of look into these sort of things more or if you do know stuff about you know the history of hitler and things like that then it is like oh th- this thing is actually either referenced or you see it happening the sort of the end paneling so i thought this was really cool and it's quite a good showcase of what the golden age can offer like in different respects like how the action scenes can work well how some the dialogue can be quite clever and snappy some of the background stuff it seems to have like th- at least threads in every part which i thought were really strong elements and do really 
show this this i imagine would be one of the good things if, if someone said i can only read a handful of golden age comics i know i've not personally read that many but i think this one is a really good one to to get people to open that door i'd say yeah i think it's in, i think you know originally in the golden age i was originally drawn to the characters that i knew and wanted to see how how they started hmm. you know but I would say that once you kind of get going, there are lots of other gems like this of that you just, that you don't know about because they aren't around today that are just as worthwhile, if not more so, because they are a little edgier, a little more innovative. Uh, they, uh, they 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 just they don't they aren't what you expect and in a good way. And it's not like it's done to be a. Uh, you know, a, a trope like, oh, you didn't expect that, did you? Ha ha ha. No, really, this is they really they, they intended it to be this way. They're not playing with you. They're serious. There's no, you know, oh, we're gonna trick the audience. No, they are serious about this and what they're doing, even if uh, they have to sometimes do it in a, uh, I don't know, even if there's elements of silliness uh, included, you know, or maybe, uh, uh, you know, you may be put off by the way the claw looks because he's you know drawn in that way that asian stereotype it's exaggerated asian stereotypes even with the claws and the fangs and all this stuff that uh you know you might not be comfortable with with that but you know i think if you can get past some of the surface uh concerns there's a lot going on there of of, of value that uh I think it, 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 it's one of those things you use it as an example to say, this is why this is a valid storytelling medium for anyone. It's not just for kids, even though it's it's, it's for kids. It's yeah, not just for kids. There's so much going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's stuff that kids can enjoy. And there might, I, I don't know, maybe a lot of this stuff just goes over a kid's head. Mm. You know, they probably don't even read that lies thing. No. You know, you know they don't even, and they just, Heck, they might have gotten to the Hitler stuff and read the first couple panels and were like, eh, this <laughs> is boring, you know. I'll go back and read that gag page with the, <laughs> the couple of gag strips that are in the in the issue. So mm. I don't know, but yeah, I think it's I, I'm I, I'm I was I wanted to do this when I first started the channel. So the channel, the show. Uh, so I'm really glad I'm really glad we got to do it. I'm really glad you got to join me for it too, because like I said, it's always nice to talk to people about comics instead of just rambling on. I mean. I can talk. I'm very verbose, especially if you ask the right question, which you did earlier. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for a minute, I thought it was a solo show. Um, <laughs> well, you are the expert, so I did want to pick your brain as well. But, I me, mean, you just got right on something I've been thinking about a lot. I mean, in the past couple months, just right on. And I saw something yesterday, too, that just played right in. So it was it was perfect timing. You'd almost think I sent you, hey, Mike, ask me this question, which I didn't. <laughs> it almost, it is, it just, it just felt like that. Um, so yeah, man, thank you so much for, for coming on and taking your time today. Um, I know you're busy. You got so much going on with, uh, with podcasting and, and, and stuff, and you have a life. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> important too. Um, I presume you work because you couldn't afford the house if you didn't work. You're correct. Um, but I don't see how you time 
think you have time for that with all the stuff you're into. Why don't you share with uh, with everyone? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they know. I'm sure they're here for you today. Um, what 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 do you got going on with Jane and Chit Chat and Star Wars Comics and Canon? And, and where can people find you? And what's your next guest appearance? It's got to be somewhere soon. Yeah, wow. So uh, you can find me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Uh, there's snippets of conversations on there uh, that I've had, so you can kind of dip your toes in to see if you don't want to trawl through the back catalogue. But I've been doing it for over five years. So there's lots of different guests, and obviously you, Matt, have been on the show as well. Uh, I've had most of the comics and lotion mo- a lot on there as well to talk about all kinds of different things. But the most recent guests, I had BZ and Tonya come on to talk about um, their relationship with God. Uh, it's something I've been exploring on the podcast a little bit. Um, so I had them on recently. And then I've also got in the bank um, a glass blower um, called Alexander Rosenberg. He was on series one of the Netflix show Blown Away. And we just talk about glass, like glass blowing and like what even it is. And I ask like really simple questions about things like if you smash a glass, can you just melt it into another one? And what's the sand made out of? And how do you do colors and stuff like that? All the way to like some cool organic sand that's just naturally uh, uh, organic um, glass that's naturally occurring in the world and how that's different to what they make and it's all kinds of really interesting things like that i was really chuffed to be able to speak with him he was a really cool guy and uh, recently i spoke with um yeah the star wars author kevin shinnick as well and linking in with star wars yeah there's my star wars show every saturday uh, where i either do book reviews or uh comics you never have to read a star wars comic in your entire life or read any star wars books or done anything i do the work for you i do plot overviews and along the way uh, as i tell you the kind of story that unfolds i then give you extra information along the way much like matt does with classic comics um and i'm doing the weekly mandalorian shows as well uh, through march and april so there's uh, people who've been watching mandalorian i'm trying to spread out and get people outside of the comics motion family a little bit so i've got a few fun people lined up to talk about their uh views on that and then i'm going to star wars celebration in april so i'm going to take my little recorder that i bought with uh, patreon money which i'm very thankful for my patreons for uh so i managed to buy a little handheld recorder and i'm going to take that with me to star wars celebration and see if i can either talk to people or me and megan we're there for all four days and we're staying in a hotel there so it's going to be a lot of <laughs> all the day and then me recording megan what do you think about that and her being like <laughs> just spent like eight to ten hours surrounded by star wars i don't want to talk about it anymore and i'm gonna be like tell me what you think so gonna be lots where, of where is that where is that it's in london this year um so okay. I, i've been there once before um which was in 2000 and oh no 2015 or 16 around that time um i I was there then but it's normally in america there's there's an anaheim one and there's normally one in florida one in california then there's in then every like third or fourth one that's it's kind of like america 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 then europe and it will either be germany Uh, or or england and then it kind of does a few in america again but yeah i'm very hyped about that very excited um, and I'm going to be doing some sort of probably in the week that I'm there instead of a comics and canon episode, I'll be uh, releasing information about that, like what we saw and all that kind of stuff and a bit of information because I don't really do Star Wars news on my channel because it is so much work trying to tell everyone where all the books and comics and everything like that's coming out. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to read basically all the comics <laughs> and all the books I find interesting. And then I'll just talk about those. And when I talk about those, I'll mention other stuff, but it's like some of these podcasts or like uh instagram people i follow who are like every time a book gets released they immediately tell you and i'm like i don't know how you manage that <laughs> so much stuff so much content but like me if you uh if you want loads and loads and loads of content from myself 
then yeah those are the main things that i'm kind of up to and i'm appearing on alison shelton's where i'm from next week as well and there's a few other bits and pieces i'm doing so it's just follow me on social media uh, or you can subscribe to the uh, pop culture collective newsletter as well um so i'll send you a, a link to that matt if you haven't already got one um and then yeah weekly newsletter up to date with what i'm doing and lots of other people in comics and motion so lots of fun there but thank you so much matt i've had such a great time talking golden age and if it wasn't for your show ai wouldn't have the intrigue i do with a lot of these characters and especially listening to that uh, episode from december 2020 about um this version the golden age of dead the golden age version of daredevil but yeah if it wasn't for you i wouldn't have read this comic i'm really happy i did so thank you for having me on the show and uh introducing me to such a cool era of comics i didn't really even know existed well, thank you, Mike. That means a lot to me. And let me tell uh, tell everybody that if you like Star Wars at all, you got to listen to the Star Wars show because it, he, he goes to the comics and he, he tells you what's going on and, and he you immediately get drawn in and you start to get that feel of, of the universe and stuff. And even if you haven't read it in a while, you know, all it takes is a mention of a familiar character or a setting and and you're immediately in there and you're starting to get those Star Wars feels. When I started uh, listening, it made me go back and, and get all my old Star Wars comics from the 70s and reread those and, and go, oh, man, yeah, that is so much fun. I haven't really thought about, you know, the comics uh, in so long, oddly enough. But, uh, yeah, Mike does a great job with that show, and he, he already told you how interesting the genuine chit-chat is. It's the people he comes up with are, uh, are, are all kinds of different people and really uh, – really insightful and give you a different uh, perspective on uh, not just their life, but your own life sometimes. So Mike, once again, thank you so much. And uh, everyone, I hope you'll join me next time. Classic comics. Thanks for turning in, uh, tuning in today. And I hope you everybody go out there and read some comics. 